All right, welcome to Gospilled, where by the grace of God we swallow the whole gospel by faith and with the full glass of repentance. Let us have a word of prayer. Father, you have declared your word as the Logos in Greek through the writing of your servant and Saint John. You have manifested in the flesh the Logos to the world. And today, Dr. Jones and I will declare the Logos to all who will listen with love and concern for all Antichrist revolutionaries who resist your most sacred and blessed Holy Spirit. Resistance or not, we know that your Logos will continue to rise for your glory and every knee will bow to Jesus Christ, the Lord. Guide and lead us, our gracious God and Father, even now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. In today's episode, we are honored to have Dr. E. Michael Jones, who is a prolific author, publisher, and academic that I have personally come acquainted with, not because of his Catholic persuasion, not because of his impressive credentials, but because of his relentless stand for Christ as he has battled against Antichrist censorship, oligarchy, and defamation with a pair of spiritual balls. And yes, I said spiritual balls. And yes, I said defamation. Because let me be clear about this growing anti-Semite defamation list, the ADL, that we are witnessing today that includes Dr. Jones. We are not anti-Semites. We refuse your defamation. So shove that defamation where the sun, capital S-O-N, and sun, S-U-N, do not shine. Because in order to be an anti-Semite, in its true definition, if there was one, I would have to hate a vast amount of varying groups of people and their DNA to include First Covenant Jews, Jews who started the church, and even Messianic Jews of today. I do not hate any people, period, and even served 22 years in the army to defend all people. And I know that I'm commanded to love all people, and so does Dr. Jones. But what I do hate is all behaviors to include any of my own and all religions that are antichrist, especially that which says our Savior is boiling in hell in his own excrement. What am I supposed to do with this type of blasphemy? Except call it for what it is. It's filth. Just read John chapter 8 when he called out the religious establishment. Those who proclaimed Abraham as their father. Jesus would be defamed as an anti-Semite today. I am convinced of that. Based on this passage alone, within these subjective and sadistic terms of modern anti-Semite accusations. So again, this conversation has nothing to do with hating any group of people. This is in the love of Christ. And this is about criticism, rebuke, and logos, which is the truth and genuine love. Moving on. As soon as I discovered this fine man declaring Christ, the true Logos, and that his books 
were removed from mainstream media, I had to see what these books were all about. The first book is Logos Rising, which I'm on only page 219 of a well over 700 page book. And I, I was so impressed with those pages that I had to get a copy of The Jewish Revolutionary Spirit, which I am on 330 of over a 1,000 page book. And I know that he is just, or going to be, Dr. Jones is going to be releasing a new edition. Not to mention that I've spent hours listening to Dr. Jones interviews, much like this one that you're listening to today. So if you want to understand the big picture, and this conversation is about the big picture and the culture war we are facing today, you must Read these books. Now, I would, I would have rather completed the books prior to this interview. However, during my recent studies, I've been finding that more and more Christians are being subjected to anti-Semite def defamation because of their criticism and critiques of the Antichrist revolutionary spirit. There is no hate. Just loving the Antichrist revolutionaries enough to tell them the truth. And this is the same love of the truth shared by E. Michael Jones that has led many, even some, to convert to the faith. And it's also led to my continued studies in his work. Now, I had just recently posted, I'm starting to think if I want to find some of the greatest voices for Christ in America all I have to do is refer to the ADL, the Anti-Semite Defamation List. And Dr. Jones happens to be one of those great voices for Christ. And the reason for today's recorded discussion in the first place. After I posted this thought concerning this defamation list, he simply replied, The cunning of reason once again. Well, with that being said... Dr. Jones, thank you for taking the time to discuss this very cunning of reason with us today because it seems that we have lost all reason, all sense of logos within our culture today. Dr. Jones, please introduce yourself and your work to our listeners who may not be familiar with your media and personal stand for Christ who we know and understand to be the Logos, as written in John chapter 1. Also, feel free to address any of my opening remarks. I'm, uh, my name is uh, E. Michael Jones. I uh, grew up in Philadelphia, got a Ph.D. from Temple University, uh, spent years teaching in, in Germany, uh, got, uh, came back here, uh, I got a job at St. Mary's College in South Bend, Indiana, where I got fired uh, one year later after I arrived uh, for being against abortion. Uh, this was kind of a shock uh, because uh, it called itself a Catholic college and the Catholic Church is against abortion. But it, it opened my eyes to the state of academe and I realized uh, I could not survive in that environment. And that was 40 years ago. So uh, it's, it's much worse now. So uh, it seemed like a bad thing at the time, but it was the best thing that ever happened to me because it uh, released me from jail, the intellectual jail known as academe, which has only gotten worse to this point. 
And so I started a magazine, and my original idea was to talk about the situation within the Catholic Church. Because if you get fired for being against abortion, there's a problem here. And so I, I spent a lot of time talking about that problem. And then at start, a certain point, I started to realize the problem is not inside the Catholic Church. The problem is that the Catholic Church is involved in the culture wars. And there were people who were trying to sideline the Catholic Church because it was the main resistance to opposition. It was the main form of opposition to uh, the sexual revolution. Uh, and uh, that's what led me to write uh, some of the earliest books that I wrote, like Degenerate Moderns, uh, which is about uh, how you either subordinate your, your desires to the truth or the truth to your desires, Dionysus Rising, about music and the same principle, and then Living Machines, about architecture. That, uh, that's what led me to understand that the church was in the middle of the battle was a book called the John Cardinal Crow and the Cultural Revolution, which opened up the archives of the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. And I got to see what was really happening in the 60s, which was mainly battles over pornography. This is when the laws started to be uh, uh, destroyed, uh, battle over school prayer, uh, battle over contraception, all of those things. The one thing that uh, pornography and uh, school prayer had in common was the Jews. The Jews were involved in both of those lawsuits, uh, uh, pornography lawsuits. You can go on to uh, YouTube now and you can type in uh, Alan Dershowitz, William F. Buckley, and you'll see a young Alan Dershowitz with his afro there and his mustache uh, defending Deep Throat, uh, one of the uh, seminal uh, uh, works of pornography, uh, pornographic film. He's defending it as free speech. He's using the First Amendment to defend this. No one had ever said obscenity was covered by the First Amendment. It was a Jewish invention to talk that way. And uh, 50 years later, if you want to know where that leads, there is Alan Dershowitz in the White House, the Oval Office, standing next to Donald Trump, who is now signing a bill making it a, a, a illegal to criticize Israel in federal uh, or, or state campuses. Yeah. This is where this went. You, the, the, this group of people undermined uh, the traditional understanding of uh, civil behavior. And then once they uh, destroyed that sense of protection that we have with the First Amendment, they imposed their own draconian thought controls upon us, which is where we are today. So, for example, as I said, as I said before, uh, it's good that you began, began by talking about anti-Semitism because it's the main threat. It is the basis. It's the hidden grammar to all of the thought control that is on the Internet right now. Hate speech was a creation of the ADL. There's no question about it. They brag about it. You can go on their website and they'll talk about how proud they are that they came up with this term. And it's all based on the, the accusation of anti-Semitism which is a meaningless statement, okay? Anti-Semitism is meaningless. It began in 1871 with Wilhelm Marr, who used it as a racial definition of what it meant to be a, a Jew. The Jew was defined by his DNA. I don't believe that. Jesus Christ doesn't believe that. When the Jews said it in the Gospel of St. John, they said, we are the seed of Abraham. We have special DNA. Jesus laughed at them and said, God doesn't need your DNA. He could turn stones into followers if he wanted to, okay? 
And as a matter of fact, your father is Satan. Now, if Jesus Christ said that today, he'd be at the top of the ADL's anti-Semitic uh, hate list. Okay? That's not... And so what you're seeing here, and it's the crucial battle of our day, is identity theft. It happened at the Capitol uh, demonstration where people who thought they were patriots were turned into domestic terrorists because people, the New York Times put that label on them. It is the crucial issue, and it happens with anti-Semitism as well. So I think I'm a Catholic. I'm, I'm proclaiming the gospel. I'm saying what Jesus Christ said, and they're saying, no, you're an anti-Semite. No, we have to prohibit the application of these labels. We have to defend ourselves against this identity theft. And so the best way to do it, as I said before, is to say, let's, let's put that term aside. I have a question for you, since you leveled this accusation against me. The question is, is it a sin to criticize Jews? Yes or no? If no, then leave me alone, okay? Because I'm not interested in etiquette here. I'm talking about something more serious. I'm talking about moral behavior. If it's yes, then uh, explain to me how Jesus Christ can commit a sin, because he certainly criticized Jews. Explain to me why Moses is an anti-Semite, because he criticized Jews, and that's all I'm doing. I'm saying that when the Jew brags about uh, 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 promoting gay marriage, Amy Dean did this in Tikkun magazine. She said, without the Jews, we would not have gay marriage. I don't think gay marriage is a good idea. Am I allowed to have that thought anymore? And if I don't think it's a good idea, then I feel that I have to criticize the people who imposed it on us, namely the Jews, according to Amy Dean. Now explain to me what's wrong with that. I don't see anything wrong with doing that, and I have to protect myself against this thought control, against the real domestic terrorism, which is basically putting labels on people so that you can demonize them, destroy their livelihood, and eventually throw them in jail. That's, that's, what, that's, what, we're, that's what we're talking about here. And that's why I like Dr. Jones. He has spiritual balls. Now, Dr. Jones, I got five questions pertaining to this Jewish question. You may have touched on some of those in this introduction, and that's okay. But what, we're, what you're going to notice, if you follow Dr. Jones for any length of time, and oh, oh by the way, we just had to redo the, his intro because I, this is my first time with this uh, recording, but I, he got the hairs on the back of my neck uh, standing up on this, this second intro. And this, is, and this is why, because he takes the words of the Lord seriously. When Jesus said in Matthew 10, 28, and fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. But rather fear him which is able to destroy the both the soul and the body in hell. Dr. Jones fears the power and glory of Christ. He honors it. And that's the reason why I'm studying his work. Now, Dr. Jones, I've made it clear that I am not anti-anything other than anti-antichrist. If it is anti-Christ, I am anti-it. Again, I am simply anti-antichrist. 1 John 2.22 says, Who is a liar but he that, that denies Jesus is the, is the Christ? He is anti-Christ. That's, that's what the Bible says. 
that denied the Father and the Son. So before someone is accused of this serious concocted crime of anti-Semitism that can get a person blacklisted such as Dr. Jones and many more in today's society, shouldn't shouldn't this term anti-Semitism be objectively defined? Or is this definition left subjectively in the hands of the accusers? And by the way, Dr. Jones, I was very impressed with your recent discussion with Dana Pavlik, where you both have touched on this. Yeah, Dana pointed out in that discussion that the current definition that is being proposed uh, to be put into law in the United States of America comes from the uh, International Holocaust Remembrance Association. And they define uh, anti-Semitism as a certain perception. Well, this is purely subjective. You cannot have purely subjective concepts being imposed on us by rule of law because I can't say anything about your perception. You may be drunk. uh, You may have taken LSD. You may be seeing pink elephants dancing in front of you. I can't say it may be true, but I can't say anything about it because I can't judge your perceptions. And because I can't judge your perceptions, you can't make your perceptions mandatory as part of the rule of law. It's impossible. This is the essence of tyranny. And that's precisely what has happened in Europe. Now, I was invited uh, to speak uh, in in London, at the London Forum, by a man named Jez Turner, uh, uh, a brilliant guy, uh, a veteran of the uh, British Army, served in Afghanistan, learned Dari, so he's not a stupid guy, uh, invited me to speak, gave that talk, everything went well. It's still on YouTube, I believe. Uh, maybe it's been taken down, but you can watch it, the London Forum. You can hear what I had to say to them. So I get back here, and the next thing I know, Jez Turner releases a documentary in which he talks about the Jewish police force in London. Now, this documentary shows all of these Jewish uh, police cars uh, uh, going around, traveling around, uh, imposing, enforcing the law. Well, what law? Wait a minute. This is not the government. Only the government's allowed to have a police force. Here you have a special group with a special police force, and Jez Turner, the British patriot, objects to it. Well, guess what? There's no, no one ever questioned the truth of what Jez Turner said. It's obvious. It's there for your eyes to see. But because some Jew did not like what he said, Jez Turner ended up in jail. So if you, if Congress passes this bill, you will end up in jail if you criticize a Jew. Well, this is goes against everything that we believe as Americans, and that's why we have to defend ourselves against these subjective definitions. Question two, Dr. Jones, in my initial uh, thoughts on your books that I'm currently reading, I addressed two extremes that came to mind concerning this Jewish question, which I believe to be on one end, the extreme hatred, demonic hatred of Hitler and this idea that all DNA Jews are evil. And and then on the other end, which I, I it seems to be equally demonic and maybe even more misguided, is this misguided love of the Zionist bootlickers who believe all those who call themselves Jews today are God's supreme race and under no circumstances are to be criticized or rebuked with the truth, 
even if it's done in love? Do you believe that these two types of extremes exist and should there be some sort of balance? Well, I, I mean, you touched on a, 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 an important issue here that both uh, Hitler and the Zionists believe in a racial theory. They believe in race as the supreme, the ultimate reality. Now, H Hitler got involved in this uh, not because it was a German tradition or there's something intrinsically wrong with the German people. He got involved in it because of an American. He, he adopted the theories of Madison Grant. Uh, Madison Grant, uh, the great racial theorist in America, uh, used to show people the letter he got from Hitler, thanking him for uh, uh, letting, uh, giving him these ideas. Now, race is something that was significant in uh, America because you had large numbers of uh, 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 Africans who were brought over here as slaves, and there was a clear distinction. The word white came into being in Virginia at the beginning of the 17th century because that was the first time Englishmen considered themselves white, and they considered themselves white because it's the first time they were ever really confronted with a large number of black people. So it's a, it's a, it's a, a binary term here that got imported. Now, Hitler uh, was in a situation where uh, he had a divided country. And the reason it was divided was because of the Reformation. It's that simple. Half the country was Catholic, half the country was Protestant. He tried to, he, his purpose was to unify the country. He tried to talk to those people and he couldn't do it. He couldn't resolve the Reformation. So he says, well, I'm going to go back behind the Reformation. I'm going to go to the time when pre-Christian Germany, I'm going to go back to the myths that Wagner talked about in his operas. And he used the word race to unite those things. At a certain point, first of all, race is not even a German term. When it first appeared in the German language, it was spelled R-A-C-E the way uh, we spell it. They don't know how to pronounce it. There's, that you would not know how to pronounce that if you were German. So they had to change it to Rasse, which is R-A-S-S-E. But even then, it's a, German, uh, it's a foreign term. The only term that the Germans have is folk. And folk, our word folk comes from it, but folk means ethnic group. And ethnic group has nothing to do with race. It has to do with language. And so it was an artificial imposition and at a certain point, Hitler realized it's not going to work. And so he went back to using the word uh, uh, folk. Now, the Zionists were in exactly the same situation. They wanted a racial, they wanted a racial country, a country based on race, according to that classic definition, which is basically DNA. And so they created Israel as, in many ways, the mirror image of Nazi Germany. It happened after Nazi Germany. It had the same type of uh, racial underpinning as Nazi Germany. So who got it first? You could say Hitler got it from the Jews because that's what the Jews were talking about in the Gospel of St. John, where they're bragging about their DNA. So it, it then involved Israel in all sorts of complications, okay? Because then they had to define, because now any Jew anywhere had a right to go to Israel. So there's a, a, a Jew in, in, uh, in Poland during World War II, he's working for the SS. His name is Oswald Rufeisen, but he's really a double agent. When the Nazis find this out, he's got to go into hiding. He goes into hiding at a Carmelite convent. He then becomes a Catholic, and then he becomes a priest. And then Israel becomes a state, and he says, well, I'm a Jew. I'll go to Israel. He goes there, and he says, I want citizenship, and they deny him citizenship. Well, wait a minute. 
His mother's a Jew. What's the problem? Well, the problem is baptism. The water of baptism changed. Well, what do you mean the water of baptism changed? Did that change your DNA? You said it was DNA. You said you could inherit it from your mother, and now they're changing it, and they're saying, no, if you get baptized, you can't be a citizen, can't be a Jew. This is the part, this is the, uh, the, the intellectual morass that you enter whenever you base your thinking uh, on, on biological determinism of the sort that both the Nazis and the, and the uh, Zionists uh, based their cultures on. Question three. I've just recently published a podcast entitled Uncle Judas. That in part, it discusses those who call themselves Christians while allowing the satanic, satanic mainstream media to boost them so that they can provide additional anti-Semitism defamation propaganda. It seems that more and more of these types of statements and in, in articles of anti-Semitism concern are surfacing from those who claim to be Christians. Do you have any thoughts or specific examples of this type of sellout, Uncle Judas, uh, behavior that is being used against peaceful, truth-loving, logos-seeking, law-abiding Christians such as ourselves? Yeah, I do. I do. Uh, I mean, first of all, wh what is my program vis-a-vis uh, -vis the Jews? I love the Jews. OK, so uh, and because they're my enemy, I love my enemy. So what do I want to do to for the Jews? I want them to abandon their false identity, the false identity they had when they uh, called for the crucifixion of Christ and adopt their true identity as children of Moses and children of Abraham, which can only be fulfilled through Christ. So conversion is what I'm talking about. Now, you know, among other people, the devil listens in on my podcast. And so what happens here is suddenly conversion becomes a problem again. This was a problem uh, way back in the 15th century, uh, especially in Spain. The Dominicans and the Franciscans launched a huge conversion campaign again for the Jews in Europe, and it was so successful that basically by the end of the 15th century, the Jews had ceased to uh, exist in, in Europe, Western Europe. They had either converted or they had gone to Poland. Okay, at this point, another problem arose, and it was known as the Converso Crisis, because uh, some Jews were not sincere in their conversion, because the rabbis told them they could lie. It was very simple. If a Christian says, if a Christian is told you have to offer an incense to uh, the emperor, he has to die rather than do that. Jews are not in that situation. They said you can lie, and so suddenly you've got a situation where all of these people are calling themselves Christians, but they're acting like Jews. Well, we have now a neo-converso crisis. It's almost as if the devil was listening to what I said and saying, okay, you're calling for a conversion? I got another plan for you. Okay, you're going to love this plan because now you got Jews converting to Catholicism, for example, and they're still acting like Jews. Now, wait a minute. What do you mean by that? Well, what is what is the crucial? What is the most significant? What is the most prominent way you can tell that you're dealing with a Jew? As soon as you disagree with the Jew, he calls you an anti-Semite. This is classic Jewish behavior. Okay, I'm not doesn't discuss things, just put labels you. Well, guess what? We have these uh, converts to Catholicism, 
uh, uh, who are now calling fellow Catholics anti-Semites. Now, I've already told you it's a meaningless term, okay? Anti-Semite doesn't mean it. Either it means what Wilhelm Marr said in 1871, which is biological, or it has no meaning whatsoever. So what you're seeing here is Catholics attacking other Catholics, calling them anti-Semites. This is a lady by the name of Rebecca Bratton Weiss has uh, 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 acquired this kind of ugly reputation uh, by doing exactly this. So, um, you know, she starts uh, talking about uh, people representing the Catholic Church. I said, who, who appointed Rebecca Bratton Weiss uh, the representative of the Catholic Church? And instead of answering the question, she attacked, calls me an anti-Semite. And then she says, anybody who listens to me is Nazi scum. Oh, wait a minute. Nazi scum? Uh, they're strong words, Rebecca. Uh, where, where does that fit in with uh, the Catholic notion of love of neighbor? This is the worst thing you can say about it. This is, this is uh, the intellectual version of murder. You're trying to kill these people. You're trying to destroy their reputation. You're trying to get them deplatformed. You're in with all the oligarchs. You're working for the ADL. Uh, in pr in any practical term, because you're acting as a, a, a an internal commissar in the Catholic Church that is trying to impose Jewish values on people who have the freedom of the gospel. This is a terrible thing, and we have to address it. We're, this is the neo-converso crisis. She's not alone in doing this. There's a lady by the name of Dawn Goldstein, a convert uh, to, Catholic, to Catholicism, who does exactly that. So let's get it straight. Ladies, if you're going to become a Catholic, then leave behind the old bad Jewish identity. And the epitome of that bad Jewish identity is calling uh, an uh, calling anyone who disagrees with you an anti-Semite. Please stop doing this. And this just isn't a, uh, a Catholic issue. This is a Trinitarian fold issue, uh, Dr. Jones, because I've seen a, a, a news source, a true news. I think the guy that runs it's uh, Rick Wiles, but I noticed that he's on the ADL list, and right. you know, so this list just continues to grow, and it's, it's right. There, it's, yeah, he'll have he'll have he'll have a different commissar assigned to his case. Somebody like Michael Brown, Doctor Michael Brown, who calls himself a Christian, is forever denouncing other Christians as anti-Semites. This is intolerable. Defamation. It's an intolerable situation. It's defamation. It really is. Uh, all right. Question four. I had recently published a meme highlighting a death narrative with the title on it. It said, not a person that includes, but not limited to such events and titles as the first picture depicted slavery and then the Haldemore. And this was the yesterday. And then today with the likes of abortion and I put a picture of at the end, a white Christian. And this seems to be culturally imposed upon us, this, this white identity. And it's even being imposed further now as you see the propaganda grow towards the Christian. The Christian, the white Christian, more specifically, is being de demonized. And it's an identity that I refuse. I simply identify as a Christian. 
And I'm sure you've seen the growing propaganda not only against this imposed white identity, but now even those who identify as Christians are being falsely accused as principal actors in the Capitol riot. Right. It seems that throughout history, and as history repeats, we see a narrow effect where Christians are continually blamed for burning down Rome. Do you see this death narrative progressing today? Yes. I, I, the, the classic example happened last summer in, in St. Louis. We had that wave of iconoclasm where uh, statues are being torn down, okay? And usually it's a statue of Robert E. Lee or somebody who uh, had slaves, Civil War, that type of thing. Well, this time it turns out to be a statue of St. Louis IX, uh, King of France during the 13th century. Well, wait a minute. Why, why are we tearing this statue down? Does he have, does he have a, a slave? Did he have slaves? Were there cotton plantations in Paris in the 13th century? No. Well, it turns out that uh, uh, Louis IX's crime was that he burned the Talmud. Now, wait a minute. This, this suddenly doesn't fit in here. Okay? This is a different narrative and uh, what, uh, because the man who was orchestrating this in St. Louis was a guy by the name of Umar Lee, claimed to be a Muslim. That's not the way he was born, but claimed to be one. And uh, he was claiming that the people who were defending the statue were white supremacists. Well, wait a minute. Why are white supremacists defending a king of France in the 13th century? Well, if you look closer, it turns out that all the white supremacists are praying the rosary. Well, that leads me to believe that they're Catholics because Catholics are the only people that pray the rosary. And that led me to believe that what was really going on here was identity theft. Once again, exactly, this is a run-up to the Capitol demonstration. It's exactly the same thing. And the main identity theft in our day is to convince, let's say, groups like Catholics uh, to convict them of being white. That is an imposed identity. That's not their identity. Their identity is Catholics. There's a whole sociological theory that says that ethnic identity in America is based upon three religions, Protestant, Catholic, and Jew. It's called the triple melting pot. This is warfare in our age. So he tries to impose this identity on them. Then uh, the Black Lives Matter crowd get upset, and they show up, and they start beating up this 60-year-old guy who's trying to pray the rosary. Well, that's okay if he's white. But wait a minute, I said it's not white. I changed the parameters. I said it's Catholic, and suddenly it doesn't look so good. You're beating up a 60-year-old Catholic who should be allowed to pray in public. That doesn't look so good. And that was precisely the change that had to play, take place. As soon as I changed the narrative, they lost. Now, I'm saying this because uh, when I wrote the article, Omar, Umar Lee didn't know who I was at all. After I wrote it, within hours, he challenged me to a debate I had the debate. I think I prevailed in creating, uh, preventing identity theft here. And as a result, the statue is still standing. That's the issue in our day. The Capitol demonstration where all these patriots suddenly became domestic terrorists is only one more example of exactly what I'm talking about here. Hey, speaking of that uh, narrative and blowing that narrative, Dr. Jones, I had just recently posted a meme on my Gab account of a black man who was sil silly stringed and egged at a BLM riot. I think his name was Sam. And you know what he was doing? Holding a Jesus save signs. He was holding a Jesus saves sign 
with a smile on his face why he was being egged and silly stringed by BLM rioters. Well, this, this proves that the black identity is imposed. This is you impose the racial narrative on the conflict, on whatever you're talking about, because that way uh, you're sure to win or the government is going to get involved because of the whole civil rights movement. It's, it's the civic religion. It just doesn't correspond to reality because, believe it or not, uh, there are lots of black people who are Christians. And that is a real identity because it tells you how to act. It, it, it forms your character in a way that your skin color does not. This is the whole thing that, that, that is supposed to uh, that, that this is supposed to disguise. So back to St. Louis, when they have their big demonstration, uh, it turns out that uh, the Catholics, uh, the, the lady leading the Catholics in was a, an African nun. So that diffused the entire racial narrative. What's an African nun doing supporting white supremacists? Well, they're not white supremacists. And if you ask what an African nun is doing marching with Catholics, well, the answer is obvious. They're both Catholics. And so that, that ended that, that story, destroyed the narrative. That's the narrative we have to destroy because that's the one that's being imposed on us. Because as soon as you say you're white, you lose. Because everyone knows that if you're white, you're a racist. And everyone knows if you're black, you can't be a racist. These are categories of the mind that are part of psychological warfare. They do not correspond to reality. And, and Christians, if you're listening to this, we must not fall to this race-baiting narrative. This, even, even with the DNA Jews, it's a race-baiting narrative. Uh, question five, uh, Dr. Jones. Uh, many believe, to include myself, that there is not much we can do physically about the rise of the Antichrist and the role of Antichrist revolutionaries bringing him to power. How should Christians respond to the oppression, censorship, and power grab of the oligarchies we have seen become so powerful to include big tech, the banking, the banks, media, and even within our own government? I've even read where an Israeli newspaper was seemingly bragging about how many Jewish people have been appointed to the Biden administration. So what does this mean for America today and tomorrow? Is there more than just an Ephesians 6 spiritual battle here uh, for the everyday Christian? Should we be having Kufi uh, Christian United for Israel children's camps? as one evangelical church has led? No, the, the first thing you have to understand is that God is in charge of human history. And there's never been a time when God wasn't in charge of human history. That's the thesis of Logos rising. I mean, first I talk about the history of Logos, and then the second part I talk about the Logos of history. The Logos of history is understanding how God has worked throughout human history to bring about his end. He's in charge. This, this history has to have a happy ending. Now, yeah, okay, we understand that, but there seems to be times when it doesn't, he doesn't seem to be winning. I mean, the, if there's ever a time that seemed like that, it's the crucifixion. Can you imagine what it would be like to be a follower of Jesus Christ at the time of the crucifixion in between the days, uh, those three days when he was still in the tomb and uh, he hadn't risen from the dead and all of their hopes were dashed uh, and the whole thing seemed to have ended. 
I mean, what's more final than death? But it turns out that by killing him, they brought about his resurrection. And now he's untouchable because he's risen from the dead. Man. We have to keep this paradigm in mind because, as I say, like the paradigm of Joseph that I've already talked about, where Joseph brothers throw him into uh, a cistern and sell him into slavery, uh, God takes that evil and turns it into good. So God is taking this evil and turning it into good. Now, uh, a man who contemplated this was uh, Hegel, the German philosopher who began life as a uh, Lutheran seminarian who was watching the French Revolution. Uh, he was 19 years old in a Lutheran seminary when the French Revolution broke out, and he's trying to bring these two things together. And he came up with the idea of the cunning of reason, die Liste der Vernunft, which is his way of talking about what I just talked about. In other words, the powers of evil bring about the very opposite of what they intend. That's what happened to Joseph. That's what the Jewish uh, people, the high priests manipulating the mob, brought about his death. And then doing that, they brought about the very opposite of what they intended. They brought about his resurrection, which has been going on and influencing history ever since. That's, that's what we have to keep in mind. This idea that it all depends on me. No, it doesn't all depend on you. Something depends on you, but not everything. And you're not God, but God is in charge. And so what we're seeing now is, for example, concretely, the resurrection of states' rights. States are now becoming more and more important, largely because of the COVID regulations, but because of everything. And so what you're seeing is uh, uh, the, the, the dynamic here between New York and Florida. What's going on there? It looks as if people are leaving New York because of the, the draconian uh, COVID regulations that got imposed on them by uh, uh, Governor Cuomo and Mayor de Blasio. And they're heading down to Florida where they have uh, a more reasonable way of dealing with that. I mean, I'm not trying to make Florida into heaven on earth. I'm just trying to illustrate here that when the, uh, uh, the powers of evil become overwhelming in our lives, they bring about the very opposite of what they intend. It was in my life. I have to talk about my life. They, I got fired for being against abortion, and it was a bad thing that they did to me, and they'll have to answer to God for it. But it was the best thing that happened to me, uh, I, be, I realized, only later. But there was a time when I didn't see that. And that's why we need faith to get through those moments when we simply can't see how God is moving in human history. Well, Christ won the first time. He wins the second time. So Christ wins. That's the end of the story. And thank you, Dr. Jones, uh, for your valuable time today. Uh, sorry about that initial mishap with the... Uh, technical issue but we got it actually worked out for good so from what i understand your work continues what can we expect from you within the publication realm in the near and long time future lord willing of course also well, every, every, how can we find your materials yes uh as i said before i started a magazine 40 years ago the magazine is culture wars we deal with these cultural issues cultural warfare on a monthly basis uh, with what's happening right now. And you can go to culturewars.com and subscribe to that magazine. Uh, but also, as I as you've mentioned, I've written books over this period of time. Sometimes the, the issue is bigger than you can cover in a monthly magazine. And uh, I'm now 
working on another book, and this book is on aesthetics, it's on beauty, and it's directly related to Logos rising, just as Logos rising was directly related to the Jewish revolutionary spirit. One thing leads to another. The Jewish revolutionary spirit is about anti-Logos, the course of anti-Logos in human history. That led to a book about the course of Logos in human history, and Logos is uh, uh, the truth, is a transcendental uh, the good is a transcendental, and there's another transcendental called beauty, and these are all attributes of being, all attributes of God, and that's what this book is about now. I've just finished part one on art in uh, Italy from Giotto to the Council of Trent, and it will be available uh, sometime uh, this spring. Uh, th thanks again, Dr. Jones. And if you listen to this uh, podcast or this video, um, you clearly understand that Dr. Jones is a Catholic. And if you think for one second that you cannot learn from a brother in Christ who professes Catholicism, you're sadly mistaken because this man knows the art of spiritual war and the culture war that we face today. And as the psalmist states in Psalm 67.1, God be merciful unto us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us, Selah. And may many Antichrist revolutionaries come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ our Lord through our faithful witness and work for him. Keep up the good fight, Dr. Jones. Thank you, Andrew.